tags, no tags. What is up, good people? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Midnight Drop Chill Hour. I know we should have had one out there for Thursday. That's why David and I was here. Speaking of David, he's actually here right now. Say what's up, my guy, David. Yo, what's goody? It's your boy. Out here drinking Capri Sun with your girlfriend, drinking Bacardi with your shorty. What's good? And that's always going to be a lie, but it's great to have him over here <laughs> for this episode. And also, we have a special guest coming in for the Midnight Drop, and she is actually a great friend who's able to help us out uh, during this whole process of the podcast. Say what's up, Anna Sinkfield. Hey, what's good, y'all? <laughs> it's good to be here. And if you are new here to the Midnight Drop, thanks for dropping by. It's always great to have a new person just listening to this podcast and learning everything about stuff we got going on here but if you're a recording member then go ahead and just tell your neighbor or whoever just message or whatever and tell them what's going on with the podcast you can listen to all platforms on spotify soundcloud google podcast apple podcast iHeartRadio, anchor uh soon to be youtube and also my instagram channel 615 underscore chill and if you have any comments concerns considerations regarding the podcast or just myself or you just want to go ahead and rant or just chill or try to be on the episode go ahead and ig dm me whatever that or it is my 615 underscore chill or email me at jordan cammon at outlook.com again that's jordan cammon c-a-m-m-o-n at outlook.com also be on the lookout for a brand new episode coming up tomorrow and some stuff coming up for next week all right my guys let's go ahead and get started all right all the formalities and what's up with you guys Nothing much, you know, we're just chilling, just chilling, excited to get started with this podcast. I'm kind of nervous. I'm not even going to hold you. <laughs> yeah. A little nervous. <laughs> yeah, you'll be, you'll be better than David at some point. You'll be fine. <laughs> you'll be good. <laughs> David over here just mad. Right, he don't have no comeback or nothing. Bro. <laughs> you, nothing, man. You good. Hey, it's all right. It's just, it's just, it's just funny, banter. You fine. Besides, we need you for this episode. For everything we're gonna be talking about. <laughs> He's just shrugging his head. He's like, "Yeah, whatever, nigga. I don't give a fuck." <laughs> but no, all that being said, no, I'm just glad you guys are doing all right. I'm doing all right myself. Uh, you guys on the Midnight Drop, you guys already know who David Arnold is. Uh, he is a value member here for the Midnight Drop. He's already given us expertise on what he does, everything else. But for any new members out here, David, go ahead and just share what you do on a regular basis, who you are, and what you're all about. And no bullshit, though. Uh, young Savage, out here, grad school, about to finish my first year, mental health counseling, master's program, um, around a lot of white people every day. You feel me? It's a little weird. I might get like honor, grow the dreadlocks out, get them down to my back, and scare the white folk. I might. But that's about it. Same, man. Told you, Bacardi Poppy. You feel me? Just living lavishly. So. <laughs> and that's good stuff. I- I thought I said the last part right, but okay. But yeah, that's okay. going, that's all good stuff, though. My homie's doing all right at Arkansas State University. And let's just go ahead and just show ahead and tell you guys about Anna Sinkfield. Anna, why don't you go ahead and tell yourself about everybody else? Uh, yeah, sure. So um, I am a Spelman grad. That's how I know 
um, both David and Jordan. Jordan and I go back a little bit further, though. We went to high school together. So, um, But I graduated from Spelman with a psychology degree and a Spanish minor. Now, um, I wanted to go to grad school, but it didn't work out because uh, of COVID, you know, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Things go happen, and it doesn't always go according to plan. But right now, I am a caseworker for the Department of Children's Services. Um, I've been working there since August of 2020, and it's a lot. Oh, it's a lot. And I want to shoot myself in the foot most days, but it's okay. You know, it's good money, good work. Um, so yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me right now and what I'm doing. So, yeah. 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 No, no, we do go back, you know, since high school. I remember her, I think you were like a grade or two, were you a grade above me or like two grades above me? I was just one grade above you, I think. Yeah. Like I said, I remember yeah. like the grade, I think the one, two grades above me, I hung out with them a lot. It was like, you remember that really tall dude, that real tall, dark-skinned dude that went up going to Howard? I feel like I know who you're talking about. I don't know his name, though, but, like, I think I know who you're talking about. Yeah, his sister actually goes to Clark Atlanta. Word. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. She in the same grade or the same level or whatever, however you say it now? Nah, she's younger. She's younger. Oh, okay. Yeah, but nah, yeah, Anna do... Anna and I do go back. Uh, I've known her since high school. I didn't talk to her that much in high school. I just saw her in passing. Uh, then when I got to college, uh, she was at Spelman. She was a sophomore at the time, and then I came as a freshman. I instantly remembered her, and we started talking, being cool and everything. Around that same time, I also met David, who was a really good person to learn, for, learn from about Morehouse, and uh, he was just really cool people's. Uh, a little interesting at times, but, I mean, that's what makes him David, and that's what's so great about him, man. But at the same time, I'm a little interesting, too. So, I mean, like, eh. <laughs> it's all good, man. It's all good. But, yeah, uh, with that being said, just like what Anna talked about, she majored in psychology. Uh, David is dabbling in psychology. He's actually a grad uh, school student right now uh, doing psychology stuff. So just go ahead and just talk about what the theme is today. And the theme is actually going to be about black psychology. We're going to be actually talking about some questions, uh, having a whole discussion, some debates regarding that, including some new things or just some stuff that we're going to add in a little bit later down the road, just to appease for some time and everything like that. Just see where everybody's mind's at. And we'll go ahead and start off with just asking yourself, uh, what can any of you guys really define black psychology for me in your own words, to be honest with you? Um, Honestly, I, I've never really thought about black psychology in it's like in a singular form um, to me, because I guess of studying psychology as a major, it was just kind of like psychology as a whole. So I've never really thought about it as a singular concept, but I guess upon like just hearing the term, I would assume that black psychology has any, anything to do with the specific struggles um, mental health, psychological, like, pathways of Black people in particular. So, um, so yeah, so I, I guess that's kind of what black, black psychology is. But again, I've never really heard the concept or the, the term before kind of talking about it today. So, Okay, yeah. that's all good, though. That's all good, though. That's why we're here for this discussion. David, what about you, man? What did you think? Um, Morehouse gave us a class on black psychology. I believe it was Dr. Murray. We talked about the uh, differences in which black people are kind of geared because depression typically shows up in white people as sadness, but in black people can show up in anger. 
And so a lot of people can be angry and mad all the time. And you're like, why are you so mad? See, we can be depressed. You know, like black psychology, which is a honing in on different psychological issues black people face and deal with every day. And how like a lot of white psychology is European. Sometimes you need that difference in, in specialization in black people to make sure it can work for you. I don't believe that. If I had to give a definition of my own, I think black psychology uh, in my terms would just be just regarding the psychology of Afri- the African-American man and the African-American woman and how, psych- you know, how psychology kind of interacts with our lives and how it really deals with us in a separate manner in uh, a difference between what other races such as Hispanics, white Americans, Asian Americans have to go through in a day to day life. So, I mean, that's something yeah. I would I would uh, go ahead and define on my own. Uh I'll just go ahead and, you know, continue off with this. What made you guys get into psychology? I know a lot of people get into psychology because it's just interesting. They like to study people. Uh, people just want to be a psychologist. Sometimes just for the money, not all the time. Other people want to do it because they just feel like they have a knack. I know one person uh, who is a psychology major at Clark Atlanta wanted to be a psychologist because they wanted to find a way to uh, help people, including people in the black community. So for y'all, what was y'all ambitions for it? What really made y'all into it? Either one of y'all can go first. You can go first, David. <laughs> I guess so. Um, <laughs> truly, I think Morehouse made me get into it because um, freshman year, I did engineering, didn't really work out. Sophomore year, still tried to do it, didn't work out. Junior year, second semester, sophomore year, I went in psychology. And one thing I'd always noticed at Morehouse was a lot of cats were going through stuff. Like at Brim Purdue, people would, I would wake up at 8 a.m., people would smoking, smoke the whole hall up first thing in the morning and so kind of as I kept going through school I just realized people would talk to me about stuff and I'm like dang bro that's wild didn't know all this was going on with you and so I realized I have a knack for it have a knack for like counseling and being able to understand people so I figured why not get paid for it so I can get other people help and go do more stuff than just being in the dorm room helping somebody for one moment I can help you for a life I'll help you for a little bit longer and so I think Dr. Rice got me into it because I got mad at him because he would he was he was always like kind of a jerk a little bit and stuff. Yeah. Not like in a bad sense, but Dr. Rice reminded me of like he I wouldn't have liked him in college. I could tell he was he was that dude was like, hey man, I'm that guy every day. But he he kind of spurred me to kind of get involved with it. And Dr. Murray the same way. And Dr. Brown. Uh, he was my uh, communication professor, but like they all kind of got my mind wrapped up in it. Yeah. And I remember one of the big things about you is that you were part of the organization called AUC chill. That was, you know, you know, kind of in relation to the psychology department. And yeah. what you did is that you, it really catered to yeah. serving not only the Morehouse community, but the AUC community, which is the Atlanta university center, uh, just students and their mental health. And just using what you know to just kind of help the community inside yeah. and out. Yeah, so that was one of the big things mm-hmm. for you. That's why I value. Yes, sir. That's why. That's why I value you. A whole yes, sir. Lot. But uh, for Anna, what about what about you? Like I know mm-hmm. you went into it. Uh, your your you know your job your profession right now is really catered to that. What made you want to get into it? Um. So the very very beginning of what inspired oh. me to get. Wait, hold on, hold on a second. I'm sorry. Yeah. Hey, David, what's going on in the background, man? 
what you hit the TV? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shoot, that's my that's my grandma. Let me just mute myself. Yeah, go ahead. Mute yourself. <laughs> keep watching some. Keep watching some Saturday night cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> no, but and Anna, go ahead, man. You all good? Um. Okay. So the very very thing the the very beginning of what kind of encouraged me or influenced me to get into psychology actually kind of started off weird. Um, so I've always had like this fascination with criminals and um, people who did like heinous crimes, like rape and murder and like stuff like that. I've always had a fascination with that kind of thing and would watch documentaries on um, serial killers and read these books and um that just was like a really big fascination for me. And I was always curious on um, what caused them to do stuff like that, to, to kill, to, um, to rape, to do any of that kind of stuff. Like what, what is going through their brain that kind of is that trigger? Like, I'm going to go out and kill all these people, you know? So that's kind of where my fascination with psychology started off. I didn't really define it as psychology then. It was more so like, oh, I just want to know like what's going through their mind right now? How do they get to this point? Um, is it childhood trauma? Is it um, something that they've watched in the media? Like what caused it? So that's kind of my introduction to psychology. And that started in high school, I think. And then when I got to, um, well, I will say also, so in that same span, I was a, I was fascinated with like, with that kind of thing with um, killers and um, criminals, but also, um, I was an intern at the juvenile detention center here in Nashville, um, when I was in high school as well. And so I was able to see in that internship, um, kids I even went to school with in the detention centers and the facilities, um, and to just know some of the things that they did as a child, um, was kind of fascinating to me. So I wanted to know then. Um, what caused them to be in the position that they are at, like mentally, where were they at? So going into college, I knew that I wanted to study psychology because it was really important for me to to understand the the biological basis and um, just kind of psychological part of what caused people to act the way they do. That's always been a fascination of mine. Um, and so, yeah, so that's kind of what got me into it. And like you said, um, I do, I am able to incorporate psycho- psychology in my job now because as a caseworker, we wear man- many hats and part of it is kind of talking to and counseling, quote unquote, people. But um, so that's kind of what introduced me and got me into psychology. Also, I, you know, my end goal is to be a um, a juvenile psychologist and work with kids in detention centers. So this all kind of ties into each other for me and um, my later research and all that kind of stuff. So, so yeah, that's kind of my spiel. No, that's good stuff. That's real, real good stuff, man. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really, it seems like both of you guys had some really genuine uh, ambitions to getting into psychology and, with that, it's helping to do a lot of good. I mean, David right now is being a grad student at Arkansas State. You're working in uh, cases right now uh, for the state of Tennessee. I know, and I'll just bring this up uh, to kind of just show the importance of your job. I remember that we were supposed to do this whole thing on Thursday, and then you had, like, you you know, I had oh called and you did your job and everything. I won't go into details, but, like, you had something about your job, and it was, like, super important and everything. And just, it's, like, one of the big things that, you know, David and I even has said that may really has 
you really have respect from us from just what you do on a daily basis. And that's just something that, you know, is really commendable and just glad we can have you on. Thank you. I appreciate that. I do. <laughs> I appreciate it. Yeah. So with that being said, as you know, now we kind of define black psychology in our own terms and everything. And I also talked about more of less, you know, what got you guys into psychology. So let me just ask this question when it comes down to psychology right now, like what's, what is the, what do you guys think is the state of psychology right now for, or just mental health for the typical African-American man and the African-American uh, female? And I'm going to start with Anna first because David went before so I want to get an honest opinion on this one. Sure. So I think now people are starting, people of color, Black people are starting to open up more to um, kind of like therapy and counseling for themselves because, you know, historically thinking, historically speaking, um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with like, um, like growing up in a Black household to be going to a therapist or a psychologist or whatever, that's like, almost seen as being weak and um, like, why do you need to go and talk to somebody about your problems? Like, just get over it. You'll, you'll, you'll get over it over time. You don't need that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think now we are starting to grow out of that a little bit more. I have noticed that um, more of my friends, more of people I've talked to are saying, yeah, I go to therapy and it's been really, really helpful um, to just talk about their trauma, being a black person and just being a person in general, you know? Um, so I think we are starting to develop into this, um, this kind of stance where we're okay with opening up to therapy and psychology and all that kind of stuff, but it's still a work in progress. There's still a lot of people who may still believe that, um, if I go talk to someone, if I go find a therapist or something, then that means that I can't handle this on my own, that I'm weak, that I, I just can't do it or, you know, whatever the case, but it's developing. It's, I think it's better now than it was before. I think you make a really solid point because with that, you know, uh, and I guess it'll kind of tie into a story from high school where it's just, I've used to talk to a counselor a little bit more and I've used to like, you know, kind of just air out some of my problems and my feelings regarding, you know, that not only that school year, but who I was, uh, I will say, uh, I guess the whole reason behind that, for my opinion, for not, why people weren't really so or why people were cautious with sharing their feelings to psychologists and the therapist was because you don't know who that person is and you don't know what they'll say. I mean, something I learned is that don't tell everybody your business, but it doesn't mean you can have like distrust towards psychologists, towards therapists and just ask for that help. And seeing that rise right now, especially in a time of crisis with the pandemic, uh, it's definitely high. David, what do you think, man? Okay, different opinion, but I'm making work. One thing I've learned, I'm real. Like this, no, 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 everything I said is correct. I'm just, I'm gonna no, tie go this. No, that's what I mean. No, go ahead, man. But like one thing, yeah, it, I'm in, I'm in trying to get counselor with this program, right? Uh-huh. They got things like they got play therapy. They have uh, that's for kids and everything. One of my professors, she worked with um, actually like her honor wants to do. She worked with juveniles, and she worked with, like real like. These guys were like criminals. These guys were like 13, committing robberies and felonies. Mm-hmm. So I can slide your email. But uh, I think I think mental health is going up. And I think people are forgetting. The one thing I've learned in counseling is that there's a lot of stuff that goes on outside the, outside the room. So like you can come talk and explain your life and explain everything that's wrong. 
But if you don't take the appropriate, appropriate steps to fix it, it's never going to get better. And I think that's where the disconnect is coming from because you're ready to go to therapy, learn why you don't like your dad, learn why you don't like your mom, and it just goes away. You got to go talk to them. You have to go reforge and rekindle that relationship. It doesn't right. just it doesn't just fix itself because it's off of your chest. And so that's the scary part. I think a lot of people don't want to face because that's being vulnerable multiple times. It's already one thing to tell a stranger how you feel. It's completely different to go tell the person who provided you love and affection your whole life that that love and affection wasn't sufficient, but that love and affection was done in a way that hurt me. So I think that's one thing that as mental health opens up and gets better, will become more of a, ooh, this is a touchy subject. And ooh, this is kind of like, how do I go about talking to my mom, talking to my dad about real life issues I have because of you. Not that I'm a bad person, but just you're you're a person too. So like if you went to therapy, how much better would I be and how much better would my kids be now that I've gone to therapy? It's always a cycle that has to keep going, but you need just you need to be the one to end the cycle. No, that's a really good point. That is a really good point. There's this whole thing about how we have this cycle where it, it just keeps going on, which is these like these style of this cycle of bad habits. And uh, we're mm-hmm. at a point now to where yeah. people are trying to break those cycles, try to break generational curses. Uh, and I think that's a really good point when we all get to that. And I think that's really nice. So with that, in terms of uh, the, in terms of the stuff that you saw, like the whole state of psychology, do you think COVID-19 pandemic has made that a little worse? Do you think that that's made it better? I mean, what can you say on that for you guys? I think COVID has kind of caused people to maybe need therapy more um, just because we have, um, I think people were so used to being out and about and, you know, if they have their friends that they can go and talk to um, and they could, could have done that. Um, but because you're almost like isolated by yourself, like, I, don't, I mean, I don't know what everybody's living situation was during the pandemic, but if you were the type of person that maybe just lived by yourself or, live with a roommate that you don't really, you know, connect with or whatever the case. Um, And then during the COVID pandemic, you are kind of forced, quote unquote, to stay inside and not go and interact with people. Then that I feel like definitely took a toll on people's mental health um, because a lot of us are not used to that. And um, when you're not used to um, being kind of stuck with your own thoughts or being alone or whatever the case, then yeah, um, that I definitely think that even in hearing other people's talking about their experience through the COVID-19 pandemic and, and quarantining, it has definitely take a toll negatively, a negative toll on, um, folks, mental health. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I think that's, that's definitely the case with COVID. Mm -hmm. Because we've seen more people just try to, like, sit down and just talk and try to, like, wrap their heads around, especially this. Uh, I know for David, you've we've talked about this and just in passing conversations over the phone of just how it's important to just. Oh, David, you good? (laughs) I'm trying to get the connection right. Oh, no, you good, my guy. Uh, No, but like we've had this conversation in passing over the phone where we've talked about how important it is to just try to, like, sit down and talk to people, just check up on people, see how they're doing, man. And I think with that being said, 
does it really is it really like we see this as a really important thing do you feel like that's something that uh it's a make it or break it for mental health at this point right now for the pandemic do you see that becoming do you see that whole idea of just checking up on people uh prolonging more when this pandemic is eventually over or do you think it's going to deteriorate and we're just going to go back to where we have to have like another world catastrophe or something for people to just go back and say hey you good man I don't know. I think the pandemic has shown that you kind of need people. Mm-hmm. You can yeah. be the most introverted introvert, but you need somebody to talk to eventually. Like, and that's the thing I think that goes back to showing you need to be able to, you need to be able to be with people to decompress and understand and re and, and learn. Oh, you kind of low, David. So, hello. Oh yeah, you good now? I'm better now. Yeah, you better now. Okay, but I think that's the thing. I think the pandemic is going to sh- has gone to show how interdependent we are and how much we need each other, and especially for black people. I think PWI from HBCU, very big difference. <laughs> it's it's not the same, and not having that culture anymore to sit outside. But hey, man, what's up, boy? How you doing, man? And it's just people just walking, people doing what they want to do. There's no conversation. There's no sitting down. That's not normal. And that's not people. And so I think hopefully the pandemic will go to show people that, hey, man, check on your strong friend. Hey, man, you might be the strong friend. You need to call somebody first. Just you don't have to explain your whole life story and that then you felt lonely or you felt bad. Yeah, call me. See how you see. Just, we can just talk about stuff. Godzilla versus King Kong came out. Let's go watch that next week. Let, we can do other stuff besides talk about the pandemic. And so hopefully that would be the consensus people can draw from this. Life may be hard, but we can make it okay as long as we have somebody to talk to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, It's always good to chop it up. That's why I'm always that guy trying to call people. You've always been that person trying to check on my others. I mean, I mean, it's the best thing. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think with COVID itself, it's really just made people want to just go back and just check on others because we have heard of just how this pandemic has changed people. Uh, People have lost their lives to it. People as young as our age, even as young as five years old have lost their age. So you always want to just think back and just be like, I hope this person is all right. Uh, Even if they don't lose their lives, they're still alive and healthy. They're still dealing with people uh, in their family or just their friendships that are deteriorating or their friends or family have died from COVID or just from other crazy things. And also, even if those people aren't dead, you also think about just their mental health itself. It's just like there are people who are extroverts that really have gone through a whole lot dealing with this, including some introverts at a point where it's just like the first couple of months have been a have been blessed because we were able to just stay home and just watch Netflix chill and just be to ourselves. But then at a point in time, we're just like, damn, what's going on? And then I think in my perspective, when you're just sitting down in your room and kind of just watching the TV and the madness happening last summer with the whole George Floyd protest and then with the pandemic, like the coronavirus cases rising and also not being able to see or talk to the people you really care about and love for, you start to really just, have to deal with that and like what Anna said talk to more people go see a therapist and what you said David just kind of realize like who's really there for you and stuff and um, yeah I think what both of you guys said is, is right is spot on uh, so with that just talk about black psychology and 
get into that whole <laughs> feng shui, if that even is the right word. I, I hope that is the right word, but fuck it. But it'll fly tonight. It'll fly tonight. Don't <laughs> <laughs> get your Webster's dictionary half an teacher. I know a lot of words because of her. So Okay. <laughs> that he me, dog. Okay, no, but with black psychology, here's a topic that I wanted to talk about. Uh do you guys feel like uh the whole subject of black psychology is lacking? in a lot of areas of education. I know at HBCUs, you're going to see it right Mm -hmm. then and there. You're going to see it at Morehouse, at Spelman, at Clark Atlanta, at Howard. But in terms of PWIs and uh, public education systems, either it's not there at all or it's given as an elective or like an extra credit class that people kind of just flow by. Do you feel like the whole subject itself is just lacking? Do you think it needs to be there? Do you think it needs to be optional? Like, what do you guys think about all that, man? I mean, I can't really speak on PWIs. Uh, David may have more insight about this because he's at one um, now, but um, I can't speak a whole lot on that, but I would just assume that it's, like you said, maybe it's an elective or something like that. It's not maybe widely known about. So if if that's the case, then yeah, I think that it should be highlighted a little bit more because although um, Black psychology seems to cater to African-American people, it's important that all people understand it um, because we are very unique in our trauma, so to speak, um, coming to the United States and what the consistent um, kind of racist racism that we experience here in this country. I think that it's important that people understand where we're coming from and black psychology will give people that understand that opportunity to understand it Um, because, you know, um, even now, when people go to therapists, they go to counselors, um, a black person could go to a white person for uh, for therapy. But if that therapist doesn't understand black psychology, then they may not know how to approach this black person who is now their client. Um, so I do think that it's important to be to have more you know, widely known. But I'm not sure if it is. Again, that's not something I can speak on as far as like public schooling or PWIs. I'm not sure because I've never been. I have not been to one of those institutions, um, but I do think it's important. If it's not, if it's not already highlighted now, I think it is important that it is. No, so. it's okay. No, it's okay. It's definitely fine. Uh, did you? Let me ask you this as a follow up for you, Anna, uh, just so we can make sure we can get some stuff in. But mm-hmm. did you feel like that with how Spellman's, you know, psychology department? Did you really make you feel like? Did it? Did it make you learn more things that you thought you would have learned in college, or? did it kind of surprise you that you learned more things in that curriculum than you did in high school at Martin Luther King? Because MLK, you know, I'll just give you some background information for anybody who doesn't know what that school is. MLK or Martin Luther King Magnet High School here in Nashville, Tennessee, downtown Tennessee to be specifically, uh, caters to helping students get into college and having the best ACT, SAT scores. Having that be the case, that school, like every other high school, doesn't really teach you everything about the world, about history, about us, about America, about the world uh, in its entirety. And I feel like in some instances I've met people who haven't felt like they've learned that they've learned more going through schools like HBCUs, like Spelman, and uh, they just get really surprised. So did that kind of like go for you when you went to the psych department for Spelman or was it just like you've already known this or what? 
Um, I mean, I feel like there were parts of Black psychology that I did kind of hone in on when I did went to Spelman because they emphasize a lot of Black um, history and trauma and, you know, it's an HBCU, that's to be expected. Um, but so, yeah, I do, I, I do think I've definitely learned more about Black psychology in, at Spelman specifically. Um, but when it comes to maybe MLK, um, because of that being high school, I think the psychology department there, because I did, I did take psychology at MLK as well. Um, but it was, it was. Which teacher uh, was it? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Which no, it's okay. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I'm blanking on the teacher's name. I could see her face. I just cannot think of her name right now. It's been forever since I've thought about any of them teachers at MLK. So I don't remember. Okay. No, it's okay. I had a white dude. I can't remember his name. He was a tall, lengthy. He was a new teacher. The weird thing is he came mm. from American history to mm -hmm. AP psychology, but he was much better in AP psychology, but he did the same thing. He just kind of like read through some, he just did some PowerPoints and just gave. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. That bullshit. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I think because it was high school, maybe they didn't want to go too deep into like the psychology piece of it. So it was very general. Um, you know, you learn about the, the basic founders of psychology, blah, blah, blah. But as far as going in depth in high school, that wasn't really, we didn't really have that. But um, again, I do think I was able to learn more about the specifics of black psychology going to Spelman because it was HBCU. And they wanted to make sure that we understood um, kind of our roots, where we're coming from as a black person and where our mental health has evolved over the years. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely, yeah, that's great. No, that's, that's good. Uh, David, let's turn your attention to you. Do you feel yes, like man. now you being at a PWI again, that's yeah. why I really wanted you here. You being at a PWI, you've shared your experiences regarding the psych department there and just how everything is. So in regards to the question the topic at hand, do you feel like black psychology should be a little bit more widespread? Do you feel like there should be any changes to how, uh, PWIs or public uh, public schools teach it. Do you feel like it should be just something for HBCUs? What, what's, your, what's your mind on Marauder, man? I think we need a better understanding of it everywhere. Because I think black psychology also entails relationships between black men and black women. And relationships between how we interact and how we talk to one another. And I think that's one thing Morehouse didn't really talk about a lot was the interdependence black men and black women have to have and need and that's also important to like white people to understand like white people need to kind of get like hey man we need each other not so much that we need white people but we need to be able to feel that when we're around each other we're safe and we're okay with one another and but also it's not really white people to understand because your your psychology has never really had to deal with the trauma of seeing somebody that looks like you die or the trauma of seeing somebody that looks like you being abused in every single in movies you watch and TV shows, you're seeing somebody that looks like you get brutalized. It's hard to translate that to somebody that's ever had to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So I think it applies to public school. It would apply to PWIs, but also I think we need to put black psychology and I think we need to give them a more rounded version of psychology. Cause like a lot of psychology like way back in the day, was geared towards keeping people enslaved. Like Drapetomania was a a real phenomenon where slave owners, where, where like psychologists who died, those enslaved, 
projectomania or runaway slave syndrome as it wanted to be free from being oppressed wasn't like something every human want. And so a lot of a lot of the history of psychology is kind of messed up. I think that is only people should learn. And like white students would benefit from that to know like, hey man, a lot of this junk we learn is kind of racist. Not for the sake of being racist, but just for how it was used for people and on people and towards people. So I think they need it. I think they need more of the history about why black people don't like psychology instead of just learning like black people don't like being called the n-word because of this 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 no no that's not for y'all to understand we we know why y'all don't need to know why but i think y'all need to know why we're so against it and why we have such a, a fear of it and why we have such a reservation towards it yeah and i think you brought up a really good point which is how people will generalize and assume uh, how we act and how we feel through pop culture, through movies, through TV shows, and just through just simple interactions that they, they're not really that complex. They just see somebody on the street or they just see some TikTok videos and just say that's how black people act. And, and just also how things are framed. So I think when it comes to black psychology, if they're going to implement it, would you agree that it's something that needs to be like, again, like you said, rounded, but also kind of just highlight some things that really talks about ours and our history? Or should we keep some things reserved so that we can reserve the integrity of just our culture? Because, again, there's always that thing about how white people like to appropriate our culture, how to go in and think they know everything about us, and then they go ahead and start acting like us. So what you think? I think it's more of the history. Because if you knew... You need more of the history. If you knew more of why people didn't like psychology, you would understand why people, you, you could try and figure out how to make people in, invest in it and want to come to it. Similar to social work. Social work is hard. It's hard being de- dealing with foster system, dealing with like foster care. And people don't know that. Unless you've been in it, you don't know how difficult it can be. So learning the history of why it's important, learning the history of why people need to go through, knowing the history of why it's so needed would let people understand like, yo, this is a real thing. We need to put some real effort into this and put some real resources towards this because this isn't something that's ever going to go away. Your mind's never going to stop working. Lord willing, as long as you are alive, your mind is going to work. So I think the history is the most important thing because, yeah, you, we don't, I don't understand the struggles of white people. I don't need to, to live my life. I do need to understand the history of white people so I can understand, hey, if I were to counsel one, how to talk to somebody how to deal with somebody, how to appropriately interact. So I think the history is the most important thing and learning the history from somebody that cares about teaching it. Not somebody that's just going to be like, well, in 1955, these three black people were attacked and they yada, yada, yada. No, we need somebody that's going to be like, hey man, flip the roles. White people are oppressed, black people aren't. How would you want them to teach you? How would they want to be learned how would you want to learn about your life and learn about who oppressed you? You feel me? Mm-hmm. So I think the history is the most important thing and the the respect of it and the the knowledge that it has. Okay. Okay. No, bet, bet, bet. How do, Anna, how do you feel about that? Any response to that? Yeah, no, I, I agree with what David said. I think that um, definitely the history is probably the most important aspect of it. I don't think that people um, need to know or understand 
all the particular nuances of black people or even vice versa, that we need to understand all the particular nuances of white people. Like, I don't think that that's important, but, but I do think what is important is finding or knowing that historical aspect of where they're coming from or where they have come from um, to better understand where they are now. Um, so I would have to agree with that. But I did, um, thinking back on what I think something David said before about um, not necessarily labeling it as um, Black psychology, and I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, David, if I'm saying this wrong, but what I heard was um, not necessarily labeling it as Black psychology, but more so widening the spectrum of psychology where it just integrates Black people into the curriculum. So it's not necessarily a separate a separate thing. It's just all intertwined. So um, my question with that is, is, do you think that it would be better to have it that way, where it's just psychology as a whole, just with Black people kind of intertwined in that, or having a complete separate, you know, I can't think of the word, a complete separate like sub uh, division of psychology where it's Black psychology. Um, and I asked, I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, you finished? Well, I only, and I asked that because, you know, sometimes people say, well, why do, why do we need to have just Black psychology? Why can't we have like Hispanic psychology or Asian psychology? So people may feel like they're being left out. And yeah. so, um, so yeah, that's kind of my question. Do you feel like it would be better to kind of intertwine everything or have those separate versions of psychology that everybody just learns individually? Good question. A good question. That's a good one. I'm going to use a little bit of segregation. Mm -hmm. I think it's important for them to be, it's going to sound stupid, separate but equal. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, okay. there needs to be the, 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 the broadening of it, but there also needs to be subsections. So, like, if you're going to work with Asian people, you know, Asian people might want to be counseled. Black people need not black people want to be counseled. Now that you will learn everything in every moment, but it can help you by knowing the nuances of people. So like if I'm dealing with Hispanic people, I don't know Hispanic issues, I need a class that can, that can help me understand Hispanic people taught by Hispanic people and learning the kind of traumas they might have or the kind of regular issues they might face that might be a little bit more taboo to talk about with a counselor. So I think you would need the widening, but also the respect needs to be given to every single uh, subject because like am I with the with the white people I'm dealing with? I'm the only black man. Like everyone else is a white woman. So there's two. There's there, everyone is is a lot of white women. There's one mixed girl, and there's two other white dudes. I'm the only black. Full. I'm the only full black dude in there. And so that presents me problems because when we talk about a lot of stuff, we're talking about a lot of stuff from white women's perspectives and white perspectives. So I don't have a lot of saying things because I'm like, I don't know how to deal with uh, my wife now coming under the phone because a lot of them cats get married. The culture is different. And so if it's so culturally different, I don't know how to operate within it. I'm learning how to, but it would also help me if I had a black professor that could be like, hey man, look, hey, this is what we, this is what black counselors do. Not to separate you from white counselors, but just so you don't feel excluded and you can still learn the same thing but it can be catered towards you. Okay. So let me ask this, this, because this is a great discussion. 
Let me ask it. So do you guys think that it's so what I'm getting from it is that you guys think that it's good to just have these subsections of psychology, black psychology, Hispanic psychology, Asian American psychology, white psychology. Yeah. But keep them to where they're catered to the people they're talking about. And then you yeah. can have a rotation to where everybody could probably learn and just be like, OK, we know you may or may not care. But at least understand where we're coming from so we can better have like a better sense of society and coexistence with each other. Because if we don't, mm-hmm. it's going to be a problem. Is that what I'm getting from getting that? Yeah. I think, I think like men and women, we're different for a reason. Mm-hmm. I can't do everything a woman can do. A woman can't do everything I can do. That's not shade. That's not hate. That's truly your brain is built different than mine. And so instead of trying to be the same, we have to respect each other's differences and respect the the uniqueness we both bring to the situation. Because I might learn something in Hispanic class that could apply to black people. And vice versa, I could learn something in his in black class that could apply to white people. And so keeping those things, instead of trying to blend everything together and make a stew, and the stew doesn't taste different, when you have a bunch of different flavors on the plate, the plate tastes different because you can find this with this. It goes with that, like a charcuterie board. Everything on its own tastes one way. But when you start combining and mixing the flavors, you get a whole new slew of flavors. Now you're like, ooh, pickles and crackers. Mm, this is a different flavor combination. Ooh, gee, the Gouda with the blueberry jam, that goes crazy. So like all these things. <laughs> right. <laughs> what? I'm talking about I don't know. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all talking some good stuff. You said pickles and crackers. The fuck? Right. Pickles. I'm saying like a charcuterie board. I don't know what's on charcuterie board. You could have just said something like, oh, crab or grew. It's just pickles and crackers. The fuck? But I'm talking about a charcuterie board. Like all Next one you're going to be talking about like ham. No, well, no, I was going to say ham and eggs. You'd be like, no, that's actually pretty good. You would have said something like eggs and ice cream. The fuck? Now, that's weird. That's weird. But like, yeah. I was, I didn't mean like yeah. all the flavors from the charcuterie board can fuse and be different every time you take a bite. Uh-huh. And so I think that's the most important that you need to have the uniqueness. You need to have the, the differences is you can be like, oh, snap, this is here. This works here, here and here. So. Oh, no, I feel you. I feel you. You feel like that's that's mm-hmm. about what you you think, Anna? Um. Yes, except, but for, I, except, I for the cra- except for the cucumbers and crackers. Right, except, except for the cucumbers. Oh no, the pickles and crackers. That's mm-mm, that don't sound right. But um, but yeah, I think I think so. Um, there's a I'm, I think I'm a little bit confused about one piece of it, but I think on on my point of view, definitely, regardless of um of what it is, I think that as a whole psychology should address different races, different cultures, um, just so we have that kind of historical background for everyone. But I do think also maybe if we have those subsections of um, Asian American psychology, African American psychology, white psychology, that it is important that maybe it's broken down a little bit more in a separate, um, in a separate space um, just to get, people the opportunity to go more in depth on those specific, you know, subcategories. So I, I think what everything that David said, I was in agreement with, I just wasn't, I think I got lost 
when he said the, the pickles and crackers thing. But but yeah, I think it was, <laughs> but I think everything that he said, I was agree, I agree with. <laughs> pickles and crackers. He muted himself. He was just like, "Why the fuck would I ever say that?" <laughs> he just I muted himself. To compare it. It's all good. It's all good. He, I just saw you mute yourself. You were just like, "The fuck I ever say pickles and crackers?" The fuck. <laughs> but no, no, no. So I think this is a great. This is great. Great hearing you guys again. I'm not a psych major. I'm not in this. I'm not into that psychology realm. So it's great learning from you guys' perspectives. Uh, look at me trying to get words out. Um, <laughs> so this is something that's toward that's geared towards Anna that I want to hear from. How do you feel about? How do you feel about black women's psychology? Do you feel like so you like you went to Spelman? That's something that's really going to be geared towards you. It's really you you you're definitely going to say like it benefit it benefited you. Do you feel like that's something that needed to be shared at Morehouse and at Clark and every other HBCU? Do you feel like it's not getting that 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 enough attention, or do you feel like it's getting enough? Um, I think that. It definitely could. I don't know if Morehouse or Clark offered like the psychology of women or black women's psychology or whatever. I'm not sure if that was offered there, but um, I think if not, then it definitely probably would be beneficial. Cause just like, I think something that David said before, just like it's important that men and women understand each other. Um, it's just important that the psychology of women and the psychology of men is understood between the genders. So if it's not highlighted or not talked about, then it definitely should be. Um, now, as far as um, the curriculum or what I learned in Spelman in Black women psychology, so I didn't take a class that was specifically titled, titled that, but I okay. did take a class called uh, The Psychology of Women. Um, and so unfortunately, I want to say that class, I feel like didn't teach me a whole lot. Um, and so I think if if we're going to have classes like that, then we need to really understand, um, I guess, like get a, a really good understanding of the history and, and how women are, are incorporated in the realm of psychology. Because I, I think, and I, I don't want to talk bad about my teacher, but it was just I, the, the professor that I had at the time, it was really difficult to... Um, grasp the concepts of what she was talking about to really understand the topic of psychology of women. So I think that even myself going to Spelman, although I did go to a, a HBCU for women, I still feel, I feel like the, the information surrounding black women's psychology that I personally have is lacking. So I would, I would need more um, classes, more knowledge about that topic myself, but Again, just to circle back, I do think that if it's not widely spoken about, if it's not widely talked about or taught, then it definitely needs to be just so we all can understand not just psychology, but, but the psychology of black women specifically. No, yeah, I'm sorry to hear that, man. I, I'm real sorry to hear that. I thought, yeah, <laughs> my fault, my fault. But that's uh, all good. <laughs> so, in a case, what do you feel like is one of the most pressing issues in terms of uh, black women's psychology that needs to be addressed? Um, so I think, well, the first thing that comes to mind as far as black psychology, um, or trouble or issues that black women go through that could affect their mental health is colorism. I think that like, that's the first thing that comes to mind because that has affected us, affected us for 
centuries on centuries, generations after generations. It's crazy. And it still does now. So um, this whole light skin, dark skin, brown skin concept has um, unfortunately took a negative toll on a lot of people's mental health. And so I think even that that topic alone, incorporating that into black psychology um, or black women's psychology um, probably could be beneficial to learn more about where that comes from and how we can move forward as a society with that, you know, and um, how can we like counsel ourselves, our children and our fellow black women through this. Um, so just with that topic alone, that's the first thing that comes to mind. Um, and there's, there are other things um, as well as, you know, as far as, um, I think statistically, uh, Black women probably, I, I don't know if this is still true or not, but Black women make less than I think any other demographic, um, just purely based off of their skin color and their gender. Um, so incorporating that and how that affects their mental health and psychology. So there's a couple of things that we can go into, but um, so yeah, so I think those are some them some main points that may need to be addressed as far as how we go about understanding um, a black per- woman's perspective and what they may go may be going through um, mentally. No, I think when you said colorism, I was like, yeah, that's really good. Cause I had a conversation uh, with somebody regarding colorism and she went ahead mm-hmm. and said that uh, it's very troubling to know that. And tell me if you, if you really, Oh, hold on. I'm sorry about that. I went sidetracked. Tell me if you you agree with this. Do you feel like it's troubling when black men and like black men when they get a little bit extra money, like if they become a basketball player, or, you know, a football player, or they just have a large sum of income by doing a really nice job? You think it's troubling when they kind of just see like that as a gateway for lighter shades of women or even white women, and kind of just see darker shades of women, like black, you know, dark skinned black women is kind of just like, I guess I'll just deal with this shit until I get some money. Yeah. Like I think for a lot of people, that's an issue. (laughs) Like um, for so long, um, whiteness or lighter skin was seen as the standard and for that to continue to be perpetuated and people who have, or men who have, you know, that higher status of being a celebrity or being a football, basketball player, whatever, that's where they tend to go to. And um, not saying, so I want to caveat with saying that preference, you can have a preference for white women, lighter skinned women, whatever, that's fine. But when it, when it becomes um, your preference is being based off of what you deem to be more pure or more, um, like easier to deal with, um, then that is where it becomes an issue. So, so yeah, I definitely think that um, for a lot of people that that's a problem when the celebrities or basketball players are deciding who to be with based off of that factor, based off of, oh, it's easier to get with a white woman or it's easier or better to be with a lighter skinned woman. Yeah, and I, and that doesn't mean disrespect to any woman that's in lighter shade. Yeah, it's not. not it's just all. it's just a trend that you see here that needs to be addressed because it just seems like that seems to be the gateway and it's just like, okay, that let's just let's just let's just call the elephant out in the room that there's some shit going on here and I ain't treating her. Like 
for David, I'll, I'll transition to you, David, since you're being all quiet and shit. <laughs> but yeah, being respectful, bro. No, that's good. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. You're a very respectful man. Uh, but let me go. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is so weird. I'm sorry. But let let me go ahead and ask you this. Do you feel like uh, if there is anything like, do you feel like that's something that's become a, an apparent problem that uh, regarding just you know what we kind of just talked about? The colorism thing or what? Just color the colorism thing. Just black, you know, black women psychology, yeah. all of that, man. Man, why? Yeah, you look like what I'm gonna say, but I'm gonna say it. Um, right, colorism has. Right. I'm gonna I'm I'm say it right. Don't don't get mad. I'm just gonna. I got to make sure I say it right. No, it's okay. We in a good space. Come on, man. Um, colorism has always been a thing. My mom, so when she went to Spelman, that she would always get people pretty for a dark skinned girl and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And one thing I've noticed is that um, a lot of chicks, at least I've seen, have this weird thing like your darker skinned black dude, you savage, you animal, you all this oh, bad Ed? stuff. Black and cat, you saw. Hey, David, you're more you're more approachable. You're more um, David. Yeah. Hey, hey, go back yeah. to like yeah. that love couple parts. You kind of like broke up a little bit. My bad. You're good, but man. um, my mom always told me that she had to deal with like you're pretty for a dark skinned girl, all that kind of stuff. And one thing I've noticed, like a lot of the girls I've seen and dealt with, is like you a darker skinned black dude, you a savage, you an animal, you a gorilla. Oh, whoop! Up oh, here Uh-oh. we go. <laughs> Uh oh! No, it's all. <laughs> you are a right. what? Skipping? Yeah, you were skipping. I'm skipping out. You were skipping. Your, your connection's going out. Hey, in but, and out, David. Jesus Christ! I'm just, man, I'm you good. good, man? We make it work. Slide down. <laughs> he got to go to every step just to be like, oh, I got a bar. I got a bar. <laughs> I got a bar. I'm saying this is. He gonna dig a hole. It's gonna be like, shit. I got five bars. Space, but... <laughs> All right, man. Go ahead, I might man. have to. I might have to. <laughs> you good? But like, I'm a, I am don't want to say the same thing three times, but like one thing I've always noticed is that like you lighter skin as a black man, you're seeing it soft. You're seeing it more like you're seeing it soft and you're, you're, you, you can't do nothing. You ain't hard. Darker skin cat. You're a gorilla. You're an animal. You were, you a monster. And my colorism is affected like black men in that way because I think we view the savageness as attractive and we're like, oh, if I can be a, if I can be a gorilla to the shorties, they gonna like me. No, you gotta you gotta find a balance, sir. You gotta be you. But I think that like with the black women and everything, I think that as An has said, like understanding each other is important. The understanding of the black woman will help you understand yourself as a black man. Understand the black man, but we going to help you understand yourself as a black woman. Because for all intents and purposes, we need each other. Like you can't have one without the other. You can't have the yin without the yang. And so I think to be able to understand how a black man operates, to understand what may be seen as flirting to you as a black dude might be seen as aggression to a, a, a black woman. Is, a, is, a, is important. So you don't want to, you got like that's, that's how you speak game. That's not how you approach. That's not how you keep a conversation going. That's not how you go on dates because you need to know the nuances as we talked about with black psychology. But like colorism, I think we got to 
I know a lot of cats at Morehouse uh, in Brazil for our Hall Queen, a lot of cats would always talk about, like, she's the darkest girl I'd ever date. And I'm like, mm. Shorty's not that dark. What you talking about? It's the darkest oh, Shorty. Yeah, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Shorty, Shorty cute. Like, what yeah. you talking about? I met a Shorty that was as black as my shirt and she was gorgeous. I said, wait a minute. Yes. Like, <laughs> you're pretty regardless. Like, beauty is subjective. But I think a lot of cats see the the light skin and see like a Miss Mulatto. They see a, they see a, uh, a Ruby Rose. They're like, that's what I want. It's like, no, mm-hmm. sir. Like everybody wants that. So she's unavailable. Sometimes you might have to talk to that little darker skin shorty. They're really going to love you. Really can show you who she is and vice versa for a lot of the, a lot of the girls. I think a lot of shorties like that Drake aspect. They like that Chris Brown. No, everybody wants them kind of guys. You might need to go for an Omarion. I need to go slide, go talk to a um a um a J. Cole, go talk to a Chance the Rapper. It just is good. And I think that's one thing we as black people kind of gotta understand to kind of wrap this up with a bow. Colorism only works when we view it as right. Mm-hmm. You think light skin is better, of course it's gonna keep going. Until you wake up and realize like, man, Shardy's bad, blue, black, or yellow, I'm cool with that. Until you wake up and realize homie can take care of you and be a good man, blue, black, or yellow, you won't be able to move forward. Because I think that's where understanding the psychology, understanding how this has been years and years and years of deep-rooted issues that will take more than one conversation to fix. That will take more than six months of conversation to fix. Because a lot of that junk is really silly. I haven't seen a lot of light-skinned shorties that have been regular. I haven't seen a lot of dark-skinned shorties that have been regular because it's just people. Mm. Okay. All right. I like that. I like that. I really like that a lot. All right. Oh, snap. Volume's down. Here you go. I like that. I like that. I like that. I like everything I've been hearing so far. I like really everything I've been hearing so far, man. So, yeah, I mean, I think to kind of wrap this up with black psychology, I think Overall, we, there should be more attention given to the subject itself of black psychology, of black women's psychology, and to try to get people to understand that. Now, again, we don't want people to just come in and start appropriating things or start saying that because they know us, they can start acting like us or start doing things like us. No, that's not the case. What we want is that we want more avenues of this become available to people like us. And if there are people who are interested in it, they can go ahead and feel free to go ahead and enter it. Does it become something that needs to happen uh, for Areas in which can help for growth in terms of education and awareness, yes. But in terms of just where it needs to be, like it has to be every school, no. Does it have to be at every PWI? doesn't really need to be. It would be great to have it there, but I don't know. And then also in terms to what we were just talking about with black women's psychology, uh, that's something that we really, really need to hit on, including with the concept uh, and the problems of colorism where we see these men kind of just view women based on their skin color, including uh, vice versa. And I think that really goes hand in hand. And uh, I think there are a whole lot of more things that black men can take away away from when it comes to black women's psychology. So, yeah, man, I think that's great. So uh, that kind of just wraps a bow up on all that stuff, man. I really appreciate you guys going in on that. Uh, it makes me really happy to get you guys uh, very well versed in that, man. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, so... 
Uh, I guess we got some more time to do some things unless you guys got some stuff going on. I'm chilling, so <laughs> whatever. Yeah. All right, well, let's make fun of David real quick. Uh, no. <laughs> I ain't nothing to make fun of. I just, I just spit knowledge. Me and I spit knowledge from an hour, boy. Don't play with me. No, it's cool. Now, more out spell education coming in handy. Yes, Sersky. <laughs> Shit, we need that. All them damn student loans. Look, them student loans are another whole nother ball game. No, no, no. Actually, you know what? That being said, like, how would you ca- spell <laughs> Fuck. Um, how would you really... Uh, Anna, how would you really describe your experience at Spelman? To be honest, like be you honest. Are, you want me for my, my honest, honestly? Yeah, because you get all those. Because I'm gonna be honest with you. Like when someone asks me what, how you feel about Morehouse, I'd be like, if it's somebody important, I'll be like, oh man, I think it's awesome. HBCU helped me become right. a man and everything. When I talk to my parents, these motherfuckers over here, right? <laughs> these right. niggas. Listen, some of these guys are cool, but these niggas. Man, telling you. Oh, man. I mean, honestly, okay, I'll I'll say as a whole. As a whole, Spelman, I feel like was a great experience. I'm not no no cap. You know, I think it was. Um now I had a lot of rough patches at Spelman. Um, I did not want to be there freshman year. Um, and I actually was gonna transfer to Emory. You told after me that. that year. I remember yeah. that. Yeah, and I just because I was struggling, man. I did not, I didn't fit in. I, I felt like I wasn't being challenged in my classes. I was like, "Why am I here? Why am I here right now?" <laughs> to me, it was like glorified high school. To be honest, like I was yeah. like, "This yeah. is not the answer." <laughs> and so I was gonna go somewhere else, but I prayed about it and I stuck it out. And so I, I stayed, and I'm grateful for it. You know, at the end of the day, I feel like I met like some really, really dope people. You guys included. Um, and did get a chance to, to kind of broaden my horizon about, you know, what it means to be a black woman and, um, just to be able to surround yourself in that HBCU environment. That's a whole different, like you won't ever experience anything like being at HBCU. And, you know, it's just that experience within itself is, is truly like magical, like for real. But, um, so yeah, I think I, I did have some rough patches, um, but all in all, it was it was a good experience. Um, now, if I have a kid, they they're not going to Spelman. But <laughs> but you ain't I, going nowhere. They're not going to Spelman because Spelman costs too much. So, mommy, I want to go to Spelman. They're giving you a scholarship. No, get the fuck no, off. Then you're not going. Mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> because uh, was it? I think it was you that told me a story about how. I think you went to like some uh, Spelman chapter in Nashville or something or in Tennessee mm-hmm. and you were asking about scholarships. You're like scholarships. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> like, no, they, they Spelman is very picky about the scholarships they give out. So mm-mm. no, it's just way too expensive for my liking, but it's, it, it truly is a good experience all in all, like to have that opportunity to go there. Um, Learned a lot about. I feel like I learned about a lot about myself and about, you know, being around a whole bunch of black people. <laughs> that was pretty interesting. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I think it, uh, I think it's cool. I mean, I mean, I've talked to you about it. I remember how. Uh, I won't get too much into detail, but I remember how you know we had talked and you had told me you were going to transfer to Emory, and then I mm-hmm. saw you and I was like, I thought you. 
no, you went to Emory. She was like, and you were like, well, funny thing about that. And uh, <laughs> right, <laughs> didn't work out. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I saw you in passing, and then uh, there was a point where I didn't see you a lot. And mm-hmm. then, um, yeah, man, it was just there. You've known my experience in Morehouse. I felt like I've I've come a lot. I've taken away a lot of things, both good and bad. There are definitely rough patches, and the high school experience is is definitely, it's definitely there, man. David, yeah. and I, David and I have dealt with it. David, David, you want you want to talk about the the AUC speak AUC speaks experience? I can talk about. I'm, I'm gonna talk about Morehouse first, and I'll talk about AUC speaks. <laughs> so, I got it. Hmm. Well, let me let me let me just kind of like cap off my shit. But like, right. yeah, with the the high school, like if if I have a child that wants to go to Morehouse, uh, we had a survey by the way, and I and I said maybe I might tell my child to go to Morehouse. I don't know, nigga, mm. what they give me. <laughs> and I think that's just how I feel now. It's just like if my child, I think I may have made a mistake of going to Morehouse, uh, not getting a full scholarship or just a partial mm-hmm. scholarship. I got scholarships now from the Hank Aaron Foundation. Uh, rest in peace to him. Uh, and also, I got a scholarship from Morehouse School of Medicine as I got into their program. But with that being said, I mean, this school kind of fucked me up, and then the alumni fucked me up. Uh, I wish I can go into a, a deeper conversation. We'll see how much we got. But, yeah, man, and the high school experience is definitely there because there's a situation David and I is in that, that kind of formulated our, our friendship. And, you know, that that – Shit, yeah, but David, go ahead. We'll talk about this story. I'm saying, like, my only reason I went to Martha to my grandma, because she told me my great granddaddy went hundred years before me. So I'm like, hmm, that's kind of cool. So I had a legacy I could kind of follow, and like, I'm four generation college. My great, my great granddad went, my grandma went, my mom went, I went on both sides of my family. My, my um, I, my granddad went. My dad went, so I'm I'm like, college was never an option for me to not go. But like, one thing I just will always say about Morehouse is, I appreciate going, but I could have got that experience with with one homecoming. I could have just done mm-hmm. one homecoming, yeah, <laughs> because it truly is like high school 2.0, but everyone black. So you got to mm-hmm. be icy every day. You can't have no fade. Always got to be clean. Always you come up to the room. You come up to the wrong chick, you're going to get clowned. It is horrible mm-hmm. because you, if you aren't mm-hmm. saucy off rip, you don't know how to, you got to learn how to be saucy. Mm-hmm. If you, if you ain't come in, oh, what? I gang bang. GD's over here. Mm-mm. If you don't come in, <laughs> you already throwing gang signs, you are not getting anywhere. I think it, I think it glorified like the bad parts of black people freshman year. Oh yeah, miss off my junior senior year once all those cats dipped out because they couldn't uh, keep up. Right, kind of opened up and broadened up because I will always say this: I am semi the man I am today because of Morehouse. <laughs> I, if I went to Arkansas State, I would not have been this hard. I couldn't have dealt with a lot of the issues I think I had dealt with it now if I didn't go to Morehouse because financial aid, the cab. Going to Hump Wednesday and trying to your your outfit is clean and someone tells you it's not kills your whole vibe. You got to go back in the crib. You hurt, but you come back and your outfit now makes sense. You didn't need to put polka dots and stripes on. 
Now it makes <laughs> sense. You learn it. You get it better. And so I think that's what always will be a takeaway from Morehouse is black people are hard to deal with. No matter yeah. the age, reason, or creed. But if you can learn how to deal with black folks, if you can learn how to deal with black folks and survive, you can deal with anybody. Yeah. Yeah, no. Ain't no white man, ain't no Asian man, ain't no white woman, ain't no Asian woman that can ever make you feel as bad as, as financial aid telling you they ain't got your money. <laughs> you gotta, you can't, <laughs> you can't <laughs> in. Uh, There's only one night, okay, in far financial aid, there's one nice lady who is all about her business, but she real nice. Everybody in there either hate their job yep. or they just yep. don't care about being there. Yep, financial well, like, aid is in 1947, everyone yep. else is 2016. Yeah. I, I told one lady and I brought and I brought this up before about like how alumni fucked me up. So apparently there's this thing where like freshman year they say, Oh, if you get anything higher than a three point seven, or oh, Morehouse will give you a scholarship. Man, went in there like during the summertime, went to talk to a financial advisor, told me I got a three point seven GPA. And then I was just like, Yeah, I was told I can get a full ride. The dude was just like, full ride. <laughs> full ride. It's him just laughing. Full ride, didn't and then his mind he wanted to what say you nigga about? you ain't getting shit <laughs> I was just like what are you yeah. talking about and it turns yeah. out that's just something that the alumni just tell you so they mm-hmm. can get the, get you in there and be worried about money uh, there is a story about how um, there is this dude uh, who works in the alumni chapter here for like the southwest region and uh, me and him actually had like a cool relationship uh, through high school through like this um this a whole big uh, organization I used to, or I kind of still am. I don't know, but he 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 was from Morehouse, and he brought us into brought me and other people in a meeting to talk about getting to Morehouse. And then when I got there freshman year, he would have like meetings uh, with me over the phone, talking about, "Hey, I want to treat you guys to some brunch. I want to treat you guys to some lunch. I want to think about getting you guys a book scholarship worth like seven thousand dollars." And I was like, "Wow, that's dope, man. Thanks." And I just remember every time he flaked. And he said he had like he just said, Oh my god, I'll do it. It took my dad to it took my dad to talk to my grandma, his mom, to basically get him to to get his shit together and like help me no matter what. And this dude, as soon as my dad got off the phone with him, he would call me and be like, Hey, uh I heard you need some money. So uh you need anything? Uh, I can get you some. Let's go out for breakfast. And I'm just like I don't want no damn breakfast. I just want my damn money. And yeah. dude ended up never talking. The alumni from the school from Morehouse never really ended up talking to me. There have been like two people who went to Morehouse that have kept in contact. One of them uh, is my uncle. He's really cool. He's like an entrepreneur. He's worked with the Redskins. And then another person, uh, he actually works at a dentist. He tried to help me out, but he's a busy dude. And at least he tried. But yeah, man, it's just don't go there without no damn money. Don't go there. Don't don't go to there for the experience. Help help yourself out. But now nah, let's, David. It's still cool to talk about this AUC speak story. I don't care. Just hey, I graduated the year before you, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> and, the niggas, and the niggas we finna talk about either some of them graduated already, and we don't. Okay, fuck it. I don't know. I'm not gonna say no names. I'm not using emails. Well, I won't say no names either. I'll just say this person and this person and this nigga and this nigga. <laughs> but, but Anna, I Anna, you remember this or no? I feel like I've heard of the issues that <laughs> that happened, but I, I'm foggy on the details. No, it's okay. <laughs> you foggy on the details. <laughs> no, but this is 
this kind of just correlates to a point I feel about Morehouse where clout is a big thing. And now, like, mm-hmm. sometimes it could fuck up with your education and your experience. So here's the thing. How, this is how David and I met. For anybody at home who's listening to this, here's how David and I met. There's this thing called Toastmasters. And Toastmasters is this great program that uh, helps you with getting better with public speaking. David was there, and then I got over there, and I was like, I was sitting next to him, and uh, I think it was, uh, was it Darion that was with us? Oh, he, he muted. Oh, fuck. <laughs> oh, you muted. You muted. Yeah, he came, he, came, he came to the first meeting, and he talked about Curse the Cowardly Dog. I'll never forget that. Yeah, he talked about Curse. I was like, why is this nigga talking about Curse the Cowardly Dog? But he pulled out, out his hat real quick. He did not have anything prepared. <laughs> no, nah, but no. Nah, so, like, uh, Anna, you still there? Oh, she just muted. Okay. So, yeah. the thing about the thing about it was that we had... We had met, we had did the meeting, they had gave out free pizza, it was Papa John's, I remember it, with the garlic sauce, it was all cool, and I ended up going back there, and then I ended up liking it, David ended up liking it, and we were both like really cool, to the point where this, the person who was running it wanted us to be part of the, like these, the program to do contests. There was one point where they wanted me to do be a sergeant at arms. David at one point was looking, they were trying to get him to be vice president. I don't know if David ever knows this. David, did you ever know that they wanted you to be the vice president? Yeah, yes, I did. Okay, cool. So then only reason I know is because like we there was a whole meeting we missed so fucking. But uh there at one point, I think the following year, and this was sophomore year, the following year, uh things are ramping up and the biggest problem is that our attendance was low. Now, as always, at a at the AUC in your organization, the only way you can get people coming in is food and just the people you bring in. That is that is honestly how it is. And we had this new guy. This new guy came in, you know, did his own thing, was part of the fraternity, and I guess he like ended up bringing attendance a little bit higher. One day I had came in and I said, damn, we got a lot of people. But the thing that threw me off the most is that we got a lot of women in our meeting today. <laughs> it was just like, how the hell we got a lot of meeting? Or how, we, how we got a lot of women in our meeting right now? And I'm just like, mm-hmm. who is here? There's all that guy comes in all cool. And then I guess the next couple of meetings, like things just started to change. He started like, influence and stuff he started being in being a part of things next thing you know he ended up being like the top guy on that he ended up being president and uh i think man i came in next year like totally shocked and david had told me about how everything had changed that the name had changed the status had changed everything remember that david david Oh shit, he's not even listening. <laughs> he's not even. You still there, David? David. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm still here. I heard everything. I just I'm I'm lagging, but I heard everything. Keep no, going. It's okay, you good. But no, so like with David, like he told me how like everything had changed and he had left the program. So and you remember that, David, right? Yeah, I left because I was president of the chill at the time, but that's why. Yeah, you know, David was doing big things and uh I had tried to be like uh, at a higher position, but I, I couldn't do it. What I shit you not, whenever you bring in somebody new to do an organization, 
you end it ends up changing and ends up being in their vision and it doesn't become the same thing you want to be. And that's the one mm-hmm. thing I hated about more like not hate. I really dislike about Morehouse is that there are people in here that fuck up shit that use their clout and, and it just for them it's cool because they're getting a lot of publicity and attention. But for you it's just like, man, I came in here to do some really cool stuff. And mm-hmm. and yeah, man, just the whole fucked up stuff about how like I had to come in and person can't called me during class and said okay i'm gonna bring you the boxes over here and the shirts and it's just like what <laughs> and trying to make me do some last minute stuff on the fly and then try to say i had to be part of a team try to make it on my end uh dude ended up using shit i'm about to graduate i don't care dude ended up using some of the money that was fundraised for the for the organization on weed and liquor and pizza that's crazy yeah, what you say, David? We we talking, talk, talking, bro. <laughs> do what you're doing. No, we could cut it out. I don't know, but do what you're doing. No, he used the money for some bullshit. No, finish it. Okay, the guy used the money for some bullshit. I was against it. I ended up going to this thing function and it being there. And then years down the road, COVID happened. I tried to do some stuff, and then I tried to do some more things. Didn't get in. Then the stuff that didn't land my way. Then I said, fuck it. I'm out. And then, yeah. And now the program is still there. But like David and I, David and I can both attest to this. And this probably relates to any school you go to, but specifically an HBCU like Morehouse. When you go to Morehouse, if you see some shit like that and you're doing really well, just get the, f- you doing well and you see some shit like that where it changed, get the fuck out. Do your own thing. I think that's something that needs to be said more when it comes to these, when these people, when they come to Morehouse and Spelman. Do your own thing, have a good time, and don't cave in the bullshit. That's all I got to say. You guys believe in that? Yeah. Either that or have a bunch of clout. Clout will get you far. <laughs> and and that's the thing. Like, how do yeah. you get clout? Like, David, I'm sorry. Go ahead, man. No, you good, bro. I think I think that's anywhere. Like, any, any organization that happens to because people want to be the figurehead. People want to be, mm-hmm. oh, look at me. I'm the one in charge. It doesn't matter, bro. It's just, we, y'all have... The best meetings when your people are there, but when you're not there, no one shows up. Mm-hmm. You don't want everything to be solely dependent upon you because that's why things kind of fall apart. Right. That's any organization. That's frat, that's sorority, that's uh, Miss Ronan White, that's Mr. Blue and White, that's anything because once you leave, it dies. And like cloud is cool, but cloud don't pay bills. Mm-mm. Cloud doesn't keep your friends. Cloud doesn't keep the lights on. Kyle doesn't get your hair done, but you need to get the braids in. You got to go to a meeting because people people value you because of what you can do, not who you are. And so once they start looking at you as a, ooh, like, like a car, a car can only take you places. You don't talk to a car. You don't do stuff with a car besides drive. So once it stops driving, you got to get in your car. It's, it can't serve its purpose anymore. So I think that's the thing that we as at school need to just kind of teach them like, hey, man, this don't matter. Like all that, all that, ugh, all that strolling. No one does it at thirty. Like no, it's high no. Three years. <laughs> at thirty. No, go ahead and do Promise. some strolling. For like, you, baby. <laughs> just try to do man, some be, strolling. Be fitting. Hit that, hit that leg. Yes. I'm saying. Try to do some strolling. I think that's job. the thing. I, I get what you mean. No, I'm, mm-hmm. so, I'm sorry, Dave. I'm sorry. But. You could, you good, you good. You try to stroll at your job, your boss gonna look at you crazy. Like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah, like what are you doing? <laughs> stroll at your yeah. job. 
Are you, are you having a you having a seizure? <laughs> your, boss, your, your boss Walter's like, can you teach me some funky wounds? I didn't, I would like to know those. Did <laughs> you, you learn that your HBC <laughs> Or you just like go to Negro school? <laughs> your HBC uh, HR manager come in and be like, sir, so some people actually felt offended through your strollings uh, or dance or whatever. So uh, we're going to need you to uh, actually uh, pack your things and go. But Crazy. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, man. <laughs> no, man. <laughs> but no, I mean, we've had some, there's some good things. I mean, it sucks that COVID kind of effed things up. I know David, David, you were really torn up about just not, ju- not having Juve and Toga and everything. I was torn up because I didn't get to finish my senior year. Yeah, there was Me so too. much more I wanted to do. Like, mm-hmm. and then to not be able to walk, and then to be told yeah. I can walk in December, and then to be told I can walk in April, in May, but then not get any follow up for that mm-hmm. bothers me. I'm like, yo, bro, like, I got my degree. I got, I got the, I got everything I need. I don't need to come back. Yeah, I mean, I would only be coming back to kind of just walk. Yeah, I mean, right now it's just for me. Y'all talk about y'all senior year, like the half. Y'all didn't get to finish that, man. The fact that half a junior year was messed up, which, by the way, it did help my grades. Uh, you get all of senior year is just fucked up, and then to 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 be told that we're gonna go ahead and be in these pods to graduate, <laughs> well, we're gonna be in like a pod and just wait till we socially, dis- huh? What you said? I didn't know they were doing it like that. Yeah, so like they're doing it like pods. You're gonna have to be like a little bubble. Yeah, kind of like in a bubble, from what I heard. That's gonna be interesting. At that point, I'm just like, let me just go ahead and go to Atlanta and just see it online. You can mm-hmm. it. like, I don't even get the real degree at. I don't even get the real degree on stage. I gotta wait for it to get mailed. So, like, I don't want to be depressing, but like, I'm definitely gonna enjoy this last moment. But like. Life moving on, man. Like COVID, mm-hmm. has, COVID has definitely taught me like life moves on. You got to keep going. Yeah, man. So I mean, it's just shit. It's just, whew. I mean, how? And I guess with that, like, how do you guys feel of just everything going on with COVID restrictions being lifted? I know Georgia, uh, David. I told David this. Georgia's COVID restrictions are being lifted. I know Tennessee is relaxing its restrictions. How y'all guys feel about it, man? I mean, people can start going out without masks on if they want to. <laughs> I'm still going to wear mine. I even, I mean, you know, I've gotten vaccinated and everything. I know, Jordan, you got your vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, but still, like, I think it's still important to be careful. Like, just because they're lifting the restrictions doesn't mean that COVID is gone, that it's not still killing people. Like, you still need to be cognizant of keeping you your surroundings clean and safe so you're not getting sick yourself but mm-hmm. i mean i think it makes yep. sense in a i mean i understand why they're trying to do that because when this first went on everybody was freaking out that they couldn't go nowhere they couldn't leave the house but i mean you know you you just adjust you make it work so yeah man yeah and david has talked okay. about how white people crazy over there in arkansas now them boys they they even before the restrictions were lifted, they they was not going out with masks. Cause I went to uh this is back in August. Like corona still this is like six months corona. This was corona is still hot. Mm-hmm. Went to this thing called Brick House. This is a little like college bar. I got invited over there by some by this Hispanic girl I met. And 
packed, smoking cigarettes, they passing drinks. And I'm like, yeah, um, Corona? Is, is it not in right. office? <laughs> but I went to St. Louis like two weeks ago, and I even saw up there, like, I went to another white bar. I got stuck going to white bars. They're not very fun. But, like, them white folk was in there geeked up. They were passing jewels around. They smoking cigarettes. Don't know why they like cigarettes so much. <laughs> but, like, it was, there were so many people it was a fire hazard in this bar. And I'm like, this, not really rocking with this. This is not the one for me. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's the thing. Like COVID, I've learned two things. People are very selfish and mm-hmm. people don't care until it gets to them. Mm-hmm. Because was I walking around without a mask in like last April? Yes. I didn't know no better. But once people started really getting sick, I'm like, yeah, we go ahead and put this thing on real quick. <laughs> I got I went to um I went skating the other night and uh this dude was like, Hey man, the mask man they lifted, bro. You can take your mask off, man. Personal choice. I'm like, it's personal choice to not die. When did that become in the rule book? <laughs> am I scared of COVID? No. I'm scared of being in the 10% of people that get really, really sick. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest like, yeah. Will I be okay? 95% chance, yes. But there's a fact, like my dad always tells me with skills. If you got a hundred Skittles and 10 of those Skittles can kill you dead in an instant, but 90%, 90 of them are fine, but 10 of 10 are bad. Are you going to eat them Skittles? No. No. Oh, hell no. <laughs> and that's, my, that's my same thing with this. I'm like, it's, it's like, a, it's like, it's 10 Skittles in there. That'll kill me instantly. I don't want these Skittles. I'll buy another bag. Yeah, so I just, it's just, it's just crazy seeing it everywhere. Kind of just open back up. Atlanta never shut down, but like, no, nah. oh, no, they didn't. We've been geeked up. We've been getting sick the whole time. But Keisha Lance Bottoms was having uh, like migraines every single day because of how the people in Atlanta was, and I felt bad yeah. for her. I felt bad for her. And maybe you guys can give like your opinions on this, but like it felt like this entire time, including since she became mayor, she's been persecuted for like almost every small action. Now there are some things where I feel like she's done wrong, but in terms of COVID, she has done her best. She has definitely tried doing her best, and she she just gets ragged on by not only white people but black people. And it's just you know Atlanta just what y'all doing over there, David? <laughs> what you doing over there with that Atlanta man? Oh, I think he froze. Oh yeah, it looked like it. You know what? Your your picture is frozen. <laughs> like up oh, there, you go. Oh, there he is. There you go. Yeah, you good. You good. But no, it's just. No, it's just the whole Keisha Lance. Let's switch to my phone in a second. No, no, it's okay. No, actually, no. We're gonna, I'm gonna do one last thing, and then we're gonna be pretty much good to go. Uh, just a little fun fact. First of all, thank you guys for joining in today. I really appreciate you guys giving it in. But uh, I guess last thing before we kind of go ahead and end it all. Did y'all know that there's a Medea drama TV show coming out? Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm so over it. I'm so look. I know Tyler Perry is building his empire. But I'm so done. <laughs> I'm just, I'm like. Did you hear about I was, it? I, I didn't even hear, heard about it. I mean, I, I know he's still making Medea movies. Like, there's still ones that are coming out. But I didn't know there was a TV show. So, David, did you know? Nope. <laughs> he making that money. <laughs> but no, nah, what? No, not at all. Not at all. Yeah, so what's going on is that uh, they, I guess. Medea has conf- no, not Medea. <laughs> Practically, is, but Tyler Perry confirmed mm-hmm. that 
There is going to be a TV show based on Medea's origin, which is going to be called Mabel. And it's going to be on Showtime, Primetime. <laughs> and <Okay>. it's going <laughs> to talk about how, like, Medea, or better known as Mabel, went to the stripping business, became a prostitute, and all this stuff. And I just. But why? Because of money. Why? Money. Money. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, well, money and also it'd be interesting, but. As you as Dave as everybody has said, he's making his empire. He's doing this thing. He has his own studio, which everybody loves. Yeah, I have my reservations with Medea, with the whole Medea character and Tyler Perry. Uh, there are people who love him, and I'm just like, okay, but yeah, I just thought that'd be a little funny fact. Uh, I mean, what y'all's like favorite? What y'all like favorite least favorite Tyler Perry film? Hmm. I don't know because I can't really recall. <laughs> all of, they all kind of mesh together in my brain because I feel like I've they're all similar in their like storylines. Um, I think just because this is the first one that comes to mind, my favorite one was Medea Goes to Jail. Um, yeah. Least favorite, probably any of them after that because it just started getting redundant. It was just it's very redundant after a while. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I've oh, already yeah. seen this, so yeah. No, Medea goes to jail was a, it was a it was a crazy film, but it yeah, was, it, was, <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was it had its moments that were funny. So I was like, okay, I give it to you, Tyler Perry. Had the moments where it made no sense, right? <laughs> <laughs> but David, what about you, man? Atlanta legend, you look up to Tyler Perry with all your might. I never <laughs> look up to Tyler Perry. Like, He's basically that, that your daddy. <laughs> That is a weird dude. But yeah. my favorite movie might be Meet the Browns. Least favorite gotta be Medea. Um, Death at a funeral. If that movie mm-hmm. doesn't finish. Like he legit the the like the movie ends with the mom. The movie there's a big reveal that the brother's cheating on his wife and the dudes he cheated on his, his wife with his brother's fiance and the movie just stops. Like they, they get to that big reveal. And there's no more movie. And I'm like, did he make half a movie and make a million dollars? A million dollars? What? And because I remember like Mike Tyson's in the very last scene. The mom leaves. She's like, y'all figure it out. And she disappears. And the movie stops. And I'm like, this doesn't even make any real sense. Like this movie ends halfway through the movie. So that's my least Tyler Perry is a is a genius when it comes to making the same movie. Like Honda said, they are all the mm-hmm. same. Movie. They're all the same. And he has made, <laughs> he's made so much money. Oh, Tyler Perry heard us. He's writing the same <laughs> script over and over and over again. And I'm like, it works. Oh, man, he, he, he's not, not smart. He's just very, he knows his niche. Mm-hmm. And yeah. why? He knows his crowd. Though. That man's made a, that's a, he's a billionaire off the same movie. I need to write. He knows his he knows his crowd though. That's the thing. It's always going to be the black Christians, the people who just all about you know black entrepreneurship. My my favorite movie. Shit, do I want to go on crazy or just it was good? I think my favorite movie was just Diary of a Mad Black Woman because it's like the first one and mm-hmm. it's like it's like the first one where you like you don't really expect what he's going to do. It, it's crazy, but at the same time, it's cool. My least favorite film is Fall from Grace, but it's also like my craziest film. If you don't like, did you guys ever watch Fall from Grace? 
I haven't seen it. It's I think it may be on Netflix. It's oh. I think it's still on Netflix. It's on Netflix. I think it is. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's on Netflix. I I encourage you to watch it because it is crazy and just pick out all the little things. It went viral when it first came out last year before the pandemic because this is like one of his first big films camp coming out of his studio and just the cheap bullshit that he put into the film mm-hmm. was it at first you're laughing because it's just like there's so many things wrong. Like you can see the boom mics, the bottom of the screen, they use fake CGI. Uh they use a picture of a phone call to phrase as a phone call. Um, oh my god. They, <laughs> they use a bunch of fake wigs that are just bad. Uh, there's some bad acting, bad writing. You are laughing at first, but then you're just like you spent millions of dollars, you have million dollar equipment, you you have a cesspool of you have a pool of actors right across the street in Atlanta. You have the longest reach a black man has in filmmaking besides maybe Kevin Hart or something. I don't know. Or John Singleton or anybody like that. And you decide I'm gonna pick up some bullshit. And then you're gonna do all these other things. And I'm just like, this is this is this is this is disappointing. It it made me angry. And then he went ahead and said, I'm still making money, though. I'm like, yeah, he still is making money, but you're doing a very cheap way that I just can't respect. And you got to do better. It's like it's like that whole thing. We were rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. You did. This. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a crazy film because it's just ridiculous. Uh, I think yeah. the second craziest film is possibly Temptation, because that film is crazy. The one where like a God fearing man is dating a God-fearing woman and the God-fearing woman meets a dark-skinned black, uh, a dark-skinned black man. And he's just like, Oh, I'm amazing. You come with me. And he swoos her feet and he ends up being a, the devil. <laughs> and, and then the end of the movie just like, Oh, you have AIDS, ma'am. It's like, what? So, <laughs> what? <laughs> you That's don't... terrible. Like, you have fucking AIDS. <laughs> it's like, no, so no, nah, yeah, that's it. Um, I just thought I'd share you guys about that TV show. If y'all want to watch it, y'all go ahead. I ain't watching that. I, I doubt I'm gonna watch it, but I, I'll think about it. All right then. <laughs> he, he is a very interesting dude. No, he yeah. is. He very is. But no, nah, that being said, on a very funny, crazy note, thank you guys so much for listening to the Midnight Drop Chill Hour. I'm your host Jordan Malone. I want to go ahead and first thank my guys, Anna and David, for joining me on the show today. Thank you guys so much. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> this is fun. But, all right, David froze again. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, if anybody wants to follow you anywhere, where can they follow you at, Anna? Um, you can follow me on Instagram. My name is old underscore F V S H I O N E D, old fashioned, but the A is a V. And then, yeah, and then David, go ahead and remind them where to follow you at, bro. Follow me. You can find me with your chick drinking Capri Sun, sipping on Bacardi. You feel right. me? Oh my god! That's it. Hold on, you second. Hold on, me. hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. No, fuck this shit, David. You <laughs> shut the fuck. Please stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we gonna restart. Where can they follow you at, David? They follow me at King underscore David eight eight nine, or you can find me again sipping Capri Sun with your All shorty. Right. All right. Your All right. Party, you feel All me? Right. All right. <laughs> All right. No, you good, David. No, you good. 
Now you can go ahead and follow David where he at all the time. And you can follow me at 615 underscore chill. You can also listen to the podcast on all platforms where podcasts are played at. If you want to be specific, you can go and listen to iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, the Instagram channel, uh, soon to be YouTube. Hopefully that gets that shit together when we get the new computer. You can also get on Spotify and you can go ahead and listen on www.themidnightdrop.com. Again, that's www.themidnightdrop.com. Also, if you want to look out for other episodes, go ahead and check the catalog on those platforms. Last week, this whole entire week has been great in terms of episodes and interviews. Tomorrow, we're probably going to have a new episode with somebody very important. And just be on the lookout for some stuff later on next week. Uh, this week, we don't know because there's some stuff I got to figure out. Also, if you want to go ahead and give me comments, concerns, considerations, or reservations, or just critiques or just ran on some stuff regarding the show you can go ahead and email me at jordan cammon c-a-m-m-o-n at outlook.com or go ahead and dm me at 615 underscore chill and again but that is it that is the midnight drop thanks so much for tuning in we'll see you guys next time peace